This is On and Off Your Mat podcast, episode 159, reducing your stress by breaking up with your patterns. If you are ready to start the new year and want to show up on your mat more regularly, move with more freedom, or get out of your head and into your body to manage your stress and improve your life all around, today's episode is for you. For today's episode, I sat down with Veronique Ori. Veronique is a fellow Montrealer, but studied in New York and now lives in Florida, US. She's a yoga teacher and author with a passion for storytelling and creative movement. Her new book, Shine, On and Off the Mat, is one of a kind interactive yoga book that syncs its storytelling up with playlists, on-demand classes, journal prompts, and more, all while taking the reader through a supported self-paced yoga journey. If this episode helps you in any way, share it and help someone else in their healing journey. Leave a review on iTunes for them to find it or share your takeaways on social media. I love to read your takeaways on episodes, so as you take a screenshot and share something you've learned, make sure to tag at On and Off Your Mat Podcast. All right, let's get to today's episode with Veronique. Hi, Veronique. Hello, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey for listeners that don't know you yet? Yes. I am a yoga instructor by way of owning my own nonprofit theater company in New York and Los Angeles, originally from Montreal, like you, mm -hmm. and all my family's still there. And I got a lot of my inspiration from my grandparents who love to tell stories. And so my style is very much an infusion of storytelling and creativity and finding influences off of the yoga mat that inspire my students to shine in all that they do. And so really great emphasis on the incorporation of the lessons, the teachings that we learn through movement and breath and meditation, mind meals, and how does that apply to when we're triggered and living life? <laughs> mm, just that. Right. Yeah. Just <laughs> little things. Super, super simple. Yeah. Super casual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what do you see in the importance of storytelling? Like, why does that matter? And what does it bring to the table when it comes to teaching yoga or all these other things that come from it on and off the map? Absolutely. So I found that oftentimes, and you probably experienced this too, right? You show up to a yoga class and you think, how did this person know exactly what I needed to hear in this moment, right? We could be ruminating on something for hours, weeks, months, our entire lifetime, and maybe previous lifetimes ago. And, <laughs> and we show up to this moment and it's like this person simultaneously sees feels, validates everything that you're going through. And in their connection to what they're going through, you're able to see sort of like through a portal of yourself through their story. And so that's how I think that the storytelling is really important is a really thoughtful exploration of one person's journey and it helps cut the divide between here I am in this individual body over here and here you are in this individual body over there and kind of like lifting off of this container that we happen to be walking through this lifetime with mm -hmm. and find this universal connectivity of our souls traveling a very similar path and definitely unique and nuanced in 
our own regard, but also it feels really nice and connected when we can feel like we're not going through any of these things alone, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So storytelling is a tool of connection. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's super (laughs) interesting. And I think that could be helpful for teachers that are listening. We talk a lot about stress on this podcast. It's one of my (laughs) special subjects. And I know you are on a mission of denormalizing stress as a part of our daily life. So why do you think we need to stop normalizing stress, in your opinion? I've observed and, you know, for your listeners who have lived in urban environments that are very high functioning, and I say that in loose quotes, (laughs) we think that we're high functioning, moving at a pace that's really not sustainable long term, there tends to be, and I would love to know who initiated this, because we should have a sit down to debunk (laughs) this idea of you run into someone that you haven't seen in a bit. And the general conversation is, how are you? And Oftentimes, I don't know if you've witnessed this, right? They launch into this laundry list of all of the things that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So they actually don't answer how they're doing, but it's Mm -hmm. more of like, here, let me boast about all the things, how busy they are, right? And it becomes like almost this pride of, wow, look at all of these things that I'm doing. And I mean, can you imagine if your response was, well, I'm going to read my book this afternoon and I'll probably take a nap later on and go take a yin yoga class and probably soak in the tub and that'll be my day. (laughs) So I'm I'm feeling pretty great. Yeah. That's still an answer in the doing though. It's just, you're doing something different, but you're still answering within like the actions that you take during the day that you think are defining whether or not you are feeling a certain way, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, really, it's like, can we answer without the action? Can we answer into, I'm I'm feeling overwhelmed? Yeah, I'm feeling stressed out beyond measure, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And then it's interesting, right? And you've probably witnessed this too, is when we show up into these situations and we continue to repeat that state of being that we're in as a consistent, we're reinforcing those neural pathways. And so it becomes almost challenging to show up and say, I'm doing well, or I'm fine without it feeling like a rote response rather than actually investigating. How am I in this moment? Actually, you know, thank you for asking. Let me take a breath and (laughs) consider how I'm actually feeling. And, you know, you can like think about your inventory of the things that you are doing, but maybe that's not the actual response to the question. And in the space of denormalizing the stress, it's like, okay, so if we can think about for a moment, the things that we're filling our days with, you know, what are the things that are bringing us closer to peace and joy and feeling grounded and uplifted? And what are the things that we're filling our time with that feels like triggering and stressful and anxiety ridden and almost like we're vibrating at a pace that we feel like we're on edge all of the time and doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like there's enough time in the day to do all of the things. And so, and then, you know, we find that 
in the slowing down, it feels counterintuitive, especially for those of us who are a bit type A and want to do all of the things all of the time. It, it feels like, oh no, I couldn't possibly slow down because I have this to-do list that's waiting for me. But we've seen time and time again in those spaces of surrender and really quality practices that help stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system that we actually then can shift the way that we're thinking, which translates into shifting the words that we're using, the actions that we're taking. And so ultimately, it has this really powerful ripple effect that then as we're showing up in that space of a bit more easeful quality, then how does that affect our relationships? How does that affect the lives that we touch? And then so on and so on as they're touching the people in their lives. Mm -hmm. So how do you see stress for yourself and its consequences on your life? What does it look like the opposite of this? Mm, yes. So I say all the time, you know, <laughs> I may be teaching, I might be showing up in the space of peacefulness and also I get triggered sometimes. I get stressed out sometimes. I put up a lot on my plate. I want to raise the bar for myself all the time. I want to be on this path and I am on this path of continual self-growth. And, and so in that, there's a certain pressure that I put on myself and I accept it. And then sometimes it feels kind of weighty, right? Sometimes it feels like something will happen and I will have a little bit of a temper tantrum or I'll turn on the music really loudly and try to process it or you know there's like different tools and things that mm -hmm. I have that are either like very like extreme like movement move the energy around like shaking bouncing dancing screaming my oh, face so off much. all uh -huh. of the things <laughs> so good all the somatic practices <laughs> yes yes and then also you know sometimes just laying around on a bolster or taking a soak in the tub with some Epsom salts and chilling out. But I noticed a few years ago, because I was really adept at sort of putting the stress underneath the rug. And so I was like creating this big molehill of all of the things. And like, you know, eventually, right, you just like trip over the big pile mm -hmm. of stuff that you've collected for yourself. And this showed up for me in some serious health issues, like huge inflammation of the stomach. It sent me to the emergency room. And it took me about a year to feel whatever normal is, however I was feeling before that without mm -hmm. this inflammation. And wow. I have an autoimmune disease. And so it shows up for me in that regard. And I can really feel it energetically. Like I can have really high productive times and then I crash really hard and I can't engage like I can't even respond to an email because my bandwidth is like so overloaded mm -hmm. and so I've learned for myself and I try to impart this on anyone who will listen <laughs> is that we want to be taking intentional times to rest so that we're not resting in places that are forced upon us, right? Like when we're sick or when we're injured or there's a natural disaster or, 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 right? Yeah, All when the universe things. forces you to slow down. <laughs> and it's so inconvenient and we get so mad, like, oh, you know, I wanted to do all of these things and now I just have to lay down and <laughs> try to yeah. process, you know, whatever is happening. And so when we can have 
time to slow things down. And that might look like just like a staycation in your house, or it could be like taking yourself away from your everyday routine to have that reset. It's so, so, so important. We're not made to be operating at a pace and with such intensity that a lot of us are in. It is not sustainable. And I, you know, found myself very acutely aware of this and it like showed up physically. So Mm -hmm. there's just such that interconnectivity of the mind and the body and you can't separate the two. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love how you looped it back at the mind because you started with the thoughts, like your first answer, you started with the thoughts and then you looped it back. And for me, stress starts in the mind. It's like a state of mind that then has ripples into your body and into, you know, all the other aspects of your life. And the good news about this is that we can learn to condition our mind. You know, we can do all the tools that you named. We can include exercise, sunshine, sleep, and those will affect our mind. But then we can also work directly on the level of the thought and do like intentional thought work or gratitude practices. There's so much that we can go and look at how the mind then ripples some effects in our body and creates a stress response. I feel that when people can really listen and hear that, it feels a little bit more doable in the sense of you're not just a victim of what everything is happening around you and you can have an impact on it. What's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Yeah. Tony Robbins has that famous quote, life isn't happening to you, it's happening for you. Mm -hmm. And it's a really, I mean, like, I can't repeat that enough to myself. <laughs> it's just like a reminder a in month, the moment. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Because you get into that space and it feels like, oh my gosh, why does this keep happening? You know, mm-hmm. like, and it could feel like I have this image very much that I come back to also of being a piece of driftwood in the middle of the ocean. And it's like really tumultuous and the waves and everything is just like moving the driftwood every which way. And if you're, you know, with me on the metaphor, like if you're the driftwood in the middle of the ocean and you're trying not to move from this spot, you're going to have a really unpleasant time. (laughs) You're going to (laughs) lose. Yeah. The water is really powerful, (laughs) by the way. Yeah. But if you, you know, go with the flow, which I know is like such like an overpopularized phrase, But, you know, if you go with the flow, if you let the waves take you, right, if you let go of the resistance of the control of how things seem like they should play out in your mind. So oftentimes, it's like this practice of setting an intention and then letting go of necessarily how it's going to show up specifically. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's a huge part of the practice, right? It's like letting go of this tight grip of things being just so and, you know, how tidy and organized and maybe very overly particular you are in your space to like how very like specifically like alignment focused are you to, you know, your partner, your kid, like the closest people in your life you share something with them and you have this very particular idea of how you want them to respond, you know, all of these different ways. It's like, yeah, (laughs) letting go of the control is going to be so liberating in so many different senses. Yeah. So you mentioned just now letting go of the control. I kind of read between the line, like 
watching our expectations as well is a way to work on the thoughts and the intentions that we set for ourselves. And when I gave more examples before, when I said gratitude, you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So those would be like four good tools to start looking at how your mind affects your stress and how it ripples into your body. Any other one you'd like to add to this? Mm. So another tool to manage the stress? From like the mind perspective. Mm. Or maybe you have an example of gratitude practice because we often hear like the same thing, right? Like the gratitude list, the gratitude jar. I know you practice gratitude yourself. So maybe there's another tool within that realm that you like to teach or you like to share just so people have a new way of exploring gratitude if they're like rolling their eyes. They're like, "Uh, I know about gratitude, but. mm." (laughs) Yeah, I think journaling is a really powerful practice. Mm -hmm. And if you are someone that loves structure, I mean, there's so many different prompts to get you started. I'm a really big fan of the idea of like brain dump. So just like pen to paper and don't let the pen and just stream of consciousness, get all the stuff out. Mm -hmm. Because as you go along, you're going to start to unpack the subconscious. And that's where you can make a lot of huge transformations. And so sometimes I think the gratitude practice feels really challenging when we're in like deep grief or processing things that are just it doesn't feel true it feels like we're faking it yes and so oftentimes we need to kind of like unpack the weighty things so that we can create the space Mm -hmm. to find maybe just a kernel of acknowledgement of perhaps where these teachings could possibly play a role in your life And it's touchy, right? It's not trying to bypass the things that are happening. This is where it gets difficult. It gets very difficult. It's finding when it feels, and each person can only know this for themselves, when it's time to shift, right? Like when it's time to say, I'm done having this dialogue with myself. I'm done feeling like I'm in these dark edges. Marianne Williamson talks about how you can't kill darkness with a baseball bat. You got to turn the light on, (laughs) you know? And so when we're in these dark pockets, it feels like really tempting, especially like if you're like triggered politically or like, you know, this time of year, like your family's like Mm -hmm. bringing up like old, like childhood wounds for you. It's like, do you want to essentially perpetuate that story or in the space of evolution of the self, in the space of healing, what's a different choice that can just move the needle a little bit forward where you feel protected and you feel seen and you feel like you have a container that feels like there's a bit of navigation through it, mm-hmm. not trying to go around it, not trying to like pretend it didn't happen, but to process it in a way that feels actually nourishing and helpful. Mm -hmm. I love that. And then there's also a time where we need to shift out of the mind. You know, there's time for working with the mind. And then there's a time to shift out of the mind and into the body to then work with 
the ripple that has already happened, like the consequences we're already dealing with. How do you help your students get out of their mind or how do you get out of your mind and into your body? Mm, There's a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes in beginning centering, I actually invite everyone to finish the thought. Consider what you'll have for lunch later. (laughs) Think about the thing that you wish that you hadn't said to your partner earlier. Like let the things play out and then gently cajole yourself to arrive, like really be here. Mm. And so like that instead of like fighting and be like, you're not allowed to think about these things. (laughs) It's like, all right, think about it. So then we can put it aside for a minute. Mm I know. And then the inner teenager inside of us is like, Meh, I don't really want to anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't care about <laughs> I'm it. I'm kind of done with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll observe curfew because you told me that I don't need to worry about it. Kind of a mentality. And so, and then, you know, there's different tools. And I know your listeners are very familiar. You know, there's pranayama practice. There's mantra practice. I really love movement meditation. So maybe it's like a few movements that are connected with the breath and you can kind of flow into like that meditative rhythm of like inhale arms up exhale release the arms down inhale side bend come back you know what I mean and you can just kind of like flow like I really love fluid movement and that can feel like a gift to people that they can have a little bit of a scaffolding of like okay we're kind of flowing in this way and then use your own artistry like your own innate creative nature to improvise within this so that like maybe like your arm is at a slightly different angle maybe you add a wrist circle along the way and there can be that sense of playfulness and when we come into that state of childlike curiosity there's something really presencing about that, right? Like when we're in like the state of like five-year-old version of ourselves where we're not really like lingering on the past. We're not thinking about the future. We're just like right here playing in the dirt or like, you know, wherever your happy place is. (laughs) And so it just happens to be like, here we are on this magic carpet. We happen to be moving our body and we're breathing and we're connecting maybe the storytelling to the movement or maybe the mantra to the present moment. And so finding that you offer these tools as a teacher, or maybe you receive these tools as a practitioner, and you can decide like a buffet, like you're not necessarily going to eat all of the things, or maybe you do, or you just kind of like take like a little nibble of each thing. And then you (laughs) see the thing that actually really speaks to you. And then, you know, we're all allowed to change our minds. And we all have seasons of practice. And the way that we practice now oftentimes is very different than how we practiced a year ago to five years ago to 10 years ago and so on. And recognizing that the more that we find out about or the more that we learn, we actually realize the more there is to learn. And so we start to almost open ourselves up to be a sponge. And I think, you know, your listeners, this connection of on and off the mat yoga is like, it's attracting this curious person, this person who wants to continually grow to have this connection of how does what I'm doing on my yoga mat connect to what I'm doing off the mat and how can these practices evolve and change and shift over time in a way that is actually serving moment to moment. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I love that. Like reminding ourselves that if we're in the moment to moment, we're there with curiosity to see what we want to pick and choose, what feels right in the moment, and that we are giving ourselves the permission to change our mind. That means we have to stay aware. Like, is this working for me? Is this what I need right now? So yes, you're kind of still active in the mind, but you're kind of turning inward in the body to have that connection with the sense felt of your body and of the feelings or anything else that's coming up to the surface. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then you talked about movement more than like necessarily like a yoga practice or something like more, I wanted to say restrictive, but I meant more like contained or organized in a very particular way because you were allowing more freedom in that. And I think that reframing of it doesn't even have to look like a yoga practice, even though we're talking to yogis, like to hear this and to be like, it could be just any movement. It might actually pull people into like, okay, let me move instead of let me go and practice yoga. Absolutely. Our collective need, most of us, right? And you probably have heard students say to you, am I doing this pose right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> is this right? You know, and we can get a little bit stuck of like being just so and trying to emulate or copy the way that this person is doing it on the cover of yoga journal or the way that my teacher <laughs> is doing it at the front of the room or the way that this really hyper mobile person who on used Instagram to be a dancer is, next to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of these things. And you can get like kind of in this comparison judgment sphere within that. And so I really love to encourage moving the way that moves you. And mm -hmm. so it could be within the context of here we are moving through Surya Namaskars, but maybe we kind of sidestep and like, what would it be like to find a side bend along the way? What would it be like to linger in the forward fold for an extra few breaths? What would it be like to find like a little bit of some like shoulder dips in our cobra? Or maybe we sub out with a sphinx this go around, right? So finding like, how can we find the inspiration of tradition and have it be embodied in you in real time? Mm -hmm. And that question, it's almost like, what if? Like, what if I do this instead? What happens? And this is also a way to connect to your body and its needs. Like, does that feel better? Or does that feel more restrictive or more contracting? Or it's like exploring as you move to give yourself more possibilities. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is to exaggerate the length of the inhalations and the exhalations and really luxuriate in the transitions between the shapes. Mm. And so it's like when you tap into that place, it becomes really meditative and mm -hmm. it almost feels like you get into a space where, oh my gosh, is this breath endless? <laughs> this is a moment where you get really, really expansive and it becomes so fun of here I am. So you're not just kind of like assuming a shape and here we are just finding ourselves kind of doing. It's like we're coming back doing. to that question from the beginning. Exactly. Like, can you be in your practice? Can you be in the yoga? Can you be in your body without having to accomplish the to-do list of the poses that will lead you to whatever goal you had in mind for today, this month, this year in your mm -hmm. mind? 
Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe after the first Surya Namaskar, you peace out in a child's pose for the next four. And you're like, I'm not doing this <laughs> because I don't have to, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> be a rebel for your own longevity. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I think the breaking up with the doing is really instrumental in that mm. mind shift. Mm. I like that. And I think it can also help people if they give themselves that permission to step on the mat more regularly. Because it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like you have to if you don't want. It doesn't feel like you have to push against something. It's just like, just come. Just show up and see what happens and answer moment to moment to what you need. And I find with this time of year, people set, you know, intention for the new year. And they talk about like, I'm going to practice more. But they struggle showing up on the mat regularly for themselves or even if it's being led So that might be a nice thing to think about as we enter the new year and all our, I like to say intentions better than resolution, but whatever you want to call them, uh, your goals or your, what you look forward into the new year. Yes. I like intentions also. (laughs) It feels friendlier. Yeah. 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 And then depending what climate you're in, right, this could be a very constrictive time in winter. Yes. If you happen to live in a warm climate, there's still just the collective of this season that can feel like, oh, I just want to eat all of the comfort foods. <laughs> I want to hang out with my friends. It's like kind of party season or we're a little bit like off of whatever the routine is. And so I really like you know, if it feels energetically kind of lethargic to get on your mat, I quite like from your bed, throw your legs up the headboard, take a figure four, you know, first thing in the morning. And then you could have this whole sequence and kind of like slither around like on your sheets (laughs) and have it be really almost a luxurious restorative practice. And that could be a really great way to set the tone for the day. It could be a great way to unwind, particularly if you're having trouble sleeping. I love the like legs up the headboard such a great way to unpack all of the the weighty things for sure. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great tip for people that might struggle with consistency or showing up for themselves. Whatever the reason that they tell their mind, sometimes it's like, I don't have time. Sometimes it's something else. Any other tip for people that are kind of either wanting to start their practice or they want to become more consistent or they have particular goals as or intentions as the new year starts? Yes. So I love habit stacking. So habit stacking where it's something you're already doing and you're adding something to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so one of the easiest things to do is choose one thing. So say you're brushing your teeth hopefully twice a day at least. And so instead of kind of like zoning out in that moment, maybe that's a time to practice tree pose and you do it on one minute each side or you're waiting for the hot water to boil for your tea or you're waiting for the coffee to be made and maybe you put your hands on the counter and you take like kind of like a supportive downward facing dog against the counter and you kind of like move into your hips instead of the impulse to scroll in that moment or you know what I mean so kind of figuring out these things okay like here's one thing that I know I do every day or something I know I do a couple times a day 
what's a little bit of a movement. And you can, if you'd like to choose the movement ahead of time, you can, or you can just close your eyes and just move intuitively. I really like turning music on and letting the music inspire. And so oftentimes my morning practice Mm. will be like a combination of just dancing with my coffee, journaling, cuddling with my dog, rolling around on a foam roller, doing some handstand drills. Like it's a little bit of a mishmash. So I think it's nice to break the mold a little bit and find the movement that just feels uplifting and grounding. Like I really love those qualities of like, okay, how can I earth? And then how can I feel like I'm expanding in some way? Mm -hmm. I love that. And like you said earlier, breaking up with the doing, what I'm hearing now is like breaking up with the shoulds, that your practice should look a certain way, should last a certain amount, that you should do things in a particular order, that it should fit into this box, into this container. What I hear is another way of being and moving from that intuitive place, from that connected place, from that I am listening to what I need place. Yes, absolutely. And that's the embodiment of your yoga. That's And when you have ownership of that, then how does that translate in everything that you do? Yeah. Yeah, because that's I the goal it. in the end to live this practice, not just when we're on the mat, but to let it ripple into everything we do and the way we show up. Yes. Mm. Anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? If there's like one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave this episode with today, what would that be? Mm. I really love the instilling of the pause between stimulus and response. And that can show up on the mat, like the moment where you slide into pigeon on your side that's a little tighter and you're like, oh, and you might have this knee-jerk reaction of like, I got to get out of here, right? And so that's a really powerful chance to Hey, what happens if I put my shin at a slightly different angle? What if I point my foot? What if I flex it? What if I flare my toes? What if I put support under my knee or under my hip? So getting really investigative of ways that you can have the shape be embodied for yourself rather than trying to just break free of it because it's uncomfortable or maybe even painful sometimes. And examine what are areas of your life that you're also doing that, right? Like your partner, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, you know, your mother, whoever is closest to you says something to you is your knee jerk reaction to leave the room. Do you just like blow up at them? Is it like, I already know what you're going to say. Like, what are these patterns of (laughs) things that we do (laughs) where maybe you could take a breath between the stimulus and then decide how do I want to respond to this in a way that is supportive and compassionate and kind and loving. And maybe if you're not able to respond in that way, right? If like you can't find like the version of a bolster in this conversation, (laughs) whatever (laughs) that would look like, maybe it's deciding to take a step away and allowing for space so that when you can come back, that you're able to show up in that regard. That's a little bit softer, a little bit more the way that you feel on your yoga mat. It can be like a much more deliberate, intentional And extensive. Like when you were talking about elongating the breath and staying in it, that same idea, like in the moment, can you take a second or 10 to elongate whatever you're (laughs) 
doing right now before you take the next action, whether it's a verbal, it's physical, it's like whatever your pattern is, to just slow it down just to not to be more intentional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And can you have an emotionally charged conversation with really slow, intentional breaths? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Like, Can you stay embodied even Mm -hmm. in the presence of everything that's not peace? You know, like if you can only be embodied with peace, then can you work on becoming embodied when you're challenged, when you're afraid? So you need to slow down to make that happen. It's not going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, from one day to the next. You need to give yourself the time to stay with yourself, even when things yes. get a little hot. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I love to say. <laughs> I love this opportunity to practice yoga off the mat, right? These things that are challenging, that push us to our edges. Like, thank you for this opportunity to practice and then we start to feel like oh this is so great because what would be the opposite of continual growth like I suppose it would be super cozy to just not change and stay exactly as you are and not really challenge your beliefs or shift the conversation at all but then you're the same like you're not it's cozier in the moment but long term it's not cozier actually yeah yeah. Yeah. So mm. it's edgy. And what I'd love to think about is like these moments where we're like a little bit scared and a little bit nervous. Like I think of it as like kind of like bubbly water. Like it's like a little bit like of a celebration <laughs> where you recognize like, oh, I feel this because I care. And so rather than thinking of nerves as like an inhibitor, like think of it as the fuel to inspire you to greatness. And so it's a mind shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that takes you out of the shoulds again and be like, I shouldn't react this way or I shouldn't feel this way. It's more about like receiving a message that like something is not aligned for you or something is needed to be, you know, brought up to the surface for you or like really approaching it again with that curiosity, with that slowness and with a different perspective of like what's possible in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll put all your info in the show notes, obviously. But in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you if they want to take yoga with you, they want to work with you in some capacity, they want to get your book? Where do they go? Yes. So all of the things live on my website, yogawithveronique.com. I'm also on Instagram at Veronique Ori. And you can DM me there. I'm happy to connect. The connection piece is everything. And mm-hmm. that's how we started. So it, it feels like a really nice bookend to bring it back to that. I also give a link to your listeners for the first free 10 entries. So the first 10 entries of my book for free. So the stories we started this conversation with as an entry point to your yoga practice. And so whether you're a teacher, or practitioner, or both, I hope that the stories can serve as inspiration for your practice. And it's an interactive book. So it couples the storytelling with journal prompts. There's photography as well as connecting to my on-demand series and my Spotify playlist. And so I also am including free access to my on-demand platform through the end of the year and just wanting 
everyone to get a little taste, try it out, see if it resonates. And I really have this strong vision of people doing this practice together because a lot of, you know, to come back to what would help encourage people to practice. I think if we have like a little pod or like a little group, whether it's with your closest friends or your family, or if you're in a program and you have people that are in your circle, it's nice to do something together. And Mm. then you can have those shares afterwards. So maybe you share what your journal prompt responses are. Maybe you share how the story resonates for you from your own life. And in that way, the storytelling, it continues, right? It's like, and we've done this for Mm, generations mm -hmm. that we find this inspiration. It's almost like we're like gathering around a campfire and we're sharing this like really nice from generations ago, since the dawn of time that we're continuing to gather and share in this way. It's really powerful. Mm -hmm. It connects you again. And then that community in a sense helps you support your practice as well. So it's like bringing it all together so you can show up for yourself in the best way possible. Absolutely. So Mm. that you can shine both on and off the mat. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Erica. It was such a treat. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, leave a review for this episode or the podcast in general on iTunes. If this episode has helped you, you can pass it on and help someone else find it by leaving your review. Plus, when you leave your review to say thank you, I'll give you access to our premium membership for free for a full month. Take a screenshot, send it to me, and we'll get you all set up. You'll find the show notes for this episode at ericabelanger.com slash 159. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And this includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening. See you next Monday.